It could be a word fitly spoken. It's like apples of gold and pictures of silver. You never know how a word of encouragement might help somebody else. But the word alms here is the word for, does anybody remember? Some of you might have it in your translations. Righteousness. So it says, take heed that you do your alms or your righteousness before men to be seen of them. And so, as we talked about last week, that these first 18 verses is dealing with our worship or our relationship with God and how we conduct ourselves in the things that we do. And as I ask God to help us to gain ownership of this, we ask God for us to be honest with ourselves, where we are, what God is showing us, and what we can learn today. Uh, I don't like to come to church and not learn something. How about you? And even though I'm going to talk about something that is very standard in our lives, I dare say that most of us need to ponder and consider how this uh, comes to play in our lives. We've got to get below the surface and see how this plays out in our daily living. And I personally believe that what uh, we're talking about really is what Jesus has given to us. Is how to get below the surface and to really address some of the issues that we deal with that we, we think are maybe problems in our lives. Or, or maybe we've excused some things. But fail to realize really what are some of the core issues that are going on in our lives. And I believe that what Jesus is bringing out here in this aspect of worship is that we do not do things to be seen of men, but of God. Amen to that? Now, that is very important. I think all of us understand that. But I dare say there's not one person here who is not guilty of doing things before men to be seen of men. We're going to look at how this plays out. I believe that if we can gain ownership of this, it will free us from our insecurities, from our fears of failure, and from that which inhibits us from doing things that God would ask us to do. Because oftentimes we think, well, how will people take what I'm saying, what I'm doing? It's really not about how people take what you're saying or doing. It's about what he takes, what you're saying and doing. Amen to that? We know that. But sometimes people won't have people over to their house because there's a fear that maybe they'll see a speck of dirt on the counter. Now, men, you don't understand this. Because oftentimes you don't even understand your wife. But you all know what I'm talking about? There's just something about in a woman that just wants to make sure everything is in place. I think I shared with you that uh, when we go on vacation, my wife will clean the house beforehand. I said, well, honey, no one's here to, to see it while we're gone. We're coming back to it. We can clean it when we get back. We've got to get going. She says, well, we might die while we're gone and someone will come and go through our stuff. How many of you ladies can relate to that? Yeah. 
you know, it, I, I personally believe that we ought to take care of what we have. But the core value of that is to bring glory to the Lord. And God is a God of order. It's not to impress people. And there is sometimes a fine line there that we have to sort out in ourselves. And so getting together with people and hospitality and, and even coming to an altar. You know, some people don't want to come to an altar. And I know our altar's got a trombone over here, a pew sitting there, so you ha- can't squeeze in over here and a piano and over there. And, and, but, you know, sometimes people don't come to an altar because they're afraid of what other people will think in their lives. May I say, when we get into our new building, we have an 85-foot altar over there with seven feet of clearance. You know, I want God to speak to my heart. I want to respond. I want to do what God wants me to do. I can't take into calculation what people think. It hurts. And so I've made a statement here. To be freed from the presence of man, we must live in the presence of God. Now you ponder that. I hope you'd write that down. To be freed from the presence of man, we must live in the presence of God. And the Bible tells us to to live in the heavenlies. And so we'll sing this song again if we can. You know this song. We don't have a piano player. So we might not do very well this morning, all right? But you that can sing it, do you help me out on this? All right, let's sing it together. In the presence of Jehovah, God Almighty, Prince of Peace, troubles our desire, oh, Father, from this preacher to each and every one of us, that we might be so caught up in the heavenlies, that we don't concern ourselves with what people think of us, except that we reflect who you are. And as we looked at that paradox last week, that we're not to be doing our things to be seen of men, but yet we understand that our light will shine in this world. So help our light to shine, but not to pursue being the star. Help free us, Father, from the cares of this world that will so easily entrap us into our own pride and insecurities. So I pray that, Lord, that you'll do a mighty work in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Take heed. Take heed. Pay attention. Lord, speak to our hearts. Bring conviction. Because we want to bring, be better for our Lord. So we come now to verses 5 through 8. And it says, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites. The word hypocrite is the word for an actor on stage. Playing a part. Doing something because we think that's what is expected of us. I think of 
some of our expectations for leadership here at Westside Baptist Church. And it would grieve my heart that if we as a church and our leadership and people here would take on leadership expectations because that's what the pastor expects. I'm afraid too often we live on this level, even in our leadership, in what we do here. We need to be honest with ourselves and we need to say, what does God expect of my life? We oftentimes go ahead and say, well, that's what the pastor wants. And this is this is what I have to do to to do this or do that. Let me tell you something. That's carnal service. We have to come to the place, say, God, what do you want in my life? And God speaks to us individually as the priesthood of the believers. Is that not correct? And we must respond and we must do what God wants us to do. We're coming up with missions conference. And, and you know, I, I know that even in our giving, sometimes we think when that offering plate is passed, we think, well, listen, if someone doesn't see me dropping in, therefore they might think that I'm not a contributor. And sometimes people give out a fear of what they're, they're going to be seen in, in all. That is a carnal way to give, isn't it? We ought to be praying, Lord, what do you want us to give? And yes, Lord, I want to give according to as you lay on my heart. And the Bible says that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Amen to that? The Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Sometimes people say, well, you know, I don't want to drop in the card or I don't want to make commitments or, or I, you know, I, I'll do it just to be seen of men. Or listen, let's bring our motives up to a higher standard and let's ask God what He wants us to do. Amen to that? I tell you what, I am so thankful. Can you imagine $90,000 being given to missions? This year, Pastor Nathan says we're on track for somewhere closer to a hundred thousand dollars. Wow. Since we have taken on the building project, we have taken on fourteen new missionaries. Is God blessing? He is richly blessing. Oh, Father, thank you. So why don't we pray? Say, Lord, what do you want me to do? So often, sometimes when we, we hear things, well, that's for somebody else. No, I'm telling you what, we have an individual accountability. I like what uh, Brother Greg said in Sunday school this morning. He says, you know, we worship corporately together, but we're going to stand before the Lord individually. I'm thankful for our church, and I'm thankful that we're gaining ownership on these principles of of living our lives. And I believe this aspect of of giving not to be seen of men or alms, or praying now what we're going to talk about this morning, not to be seen of men, and, and not to pray as an actor, not just to go through the motions. I have always said this. In fact, several years ago, I began to pray. I says, Lord, I don't want to be just a pastor that is a a, a, a maintenance pastor. I don't think you would want a pastor who's just maintaining his level of spirituality in his life. We ought to be all growing. We all ought to be advancing. We ought to all be seeing what God has. There ought not to be a week that goes by that God doesn't speak to our hearts. Right or wrong. See what I'm saying? 
God, speak to our hearts. Speak to our hearts. And so as we get into this area this morning, this is so important for us to understand. He says, when thou prayest, that's assuming that we are praying. And this morning, can we pray sinfully? Yes or no? We can. In fact, he's going to bring out how you do that. You, you begin to think that, well, sin is the rags of sin and the gutters of life and getting drunk or taking drugs or running around with the women. And, and, and we talked about this last night about our old uh, adage of things. You know, we don't drink, we don't smoke, we don't uh, uh, chew, and we don't run around with the women that do. You remember that, that old adage? Some of you are old enough to remember that. <laughs> But let me ask you, what was the first sin committed? Well, let's go back a little bit before murder. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, and we, and we go back a little bit further, we see what? Disobedience, right? Disobedience. But in that disobedience, you'll find the three root sins. The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Now let's go back just a little chapter before that into eternity. Or not into eternity, excuse me. Into before Adam and Eve sin. What was the first sin that Satan committed? Lying or the pride of life. Isn't that right? He, he says, I will be like the uh, exalted. So yeah, he lied to, to, to Adam and Eve. But up in heaven, and you think, well, heaven is a, is, is a safe place. Well, Satan was up there and he rebelled against God in, lie, in, in, in pride. I will do this. Satan didn't get drunk in heaven, did he? He didn't take drugs in heaven. He says, I'm going to do this. And so we understand that these are root sins. And oftentimes, many of the things that hinder us, we can bring them right back to the root uh, sins. And, uh, and so Satan falls and, and, uh, and uh, in, in our uh, decisions now to pray. And, and uh, as we pray, it says in verse there, don't pray as the actors on stage. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into the closet, and when thou shutst the door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetition as the heathens do, uh, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. And then it goes on into the Lord's model prayer. So two things I'd like to look at this morning, two aspects that are brought out here on the sinfulness that can enter into praying is the sinful approach into praying and then the sinful abundance of praying. Now, let me just say this, and maybe this will give us a little precursor to where we might be, to where we can correct in our lives. If someone were to call on you to pray right now, would you get nervous? Some would. Some would feel uncomfortable praying. 
Some feel like maybe the pastor should pray because he has a, a better connection with God. Can I say that is a faulty concept? We all ought to have the same connection to God. Amen. Because if you have Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have access. He's torn down the walls and God tells us not to pastors. He says we can come boldly before the throne of heaven. Now ponder that. If I can come boldly before God, the Creator, why do I buckle at my knees when I pray out loud before others? You ever ponder that? Oftentimes, it's because we are concerned what people will think about our prayers. Can I say that's the wrong premise to come to pray? We are not praying to be heard of men. We're coming to the throne room of heaven. Can I just encourage you on that? You know, we have prayer meeting on Wednesday nights and, 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 and you know, it's not, well, I, I better pray or else people won't think I'm spiritual. Well, I, I'm not going to pray because people will understand that I'm not spiritual because they just heard my prayer. Can I say how many things defeat us because we ponder ourself in these equations? So here in this passage, he's, he's trying to bring out here, he says, listen, you're not going to pray. You don't do this for prominence or, or prestige uh, and standing in the synagogues to be heard. It's, it's not the position of pride. It is to come into the very presence of the Lord. Now, here in uh, Luke chapter 18, you know this story. It's two men went up into the temple to pray. Why is Jesus giving us this example? You see, Jesus was very much concerned about man's heart. And man is so much concerned about appearances. Oftentimes, that's why we drive what we drive, live where we live, wear what we wear and everything. You know what? It would be healthy for all of us here at Westside Baptist Church. Is to become godly in our outlook. And that is to look on people's hearts rather than in the things that they might be able to provide or what they might think of us. It is liberating as a pastor. It is liberating as a Sunday school teacher. It is liberating as a musician as we understand that we're not there to please men but to please God. There's two men that went up to the temple to pray. The one was a Pharisee and the other was a publican. What's a publican? Tax collector. Would these two guys be praying in the same room together? Not necessarily. <laughs> but, but because they were in the same room together, the Pharisee stood and he prayed thus with himself. I like that, don't you? He prayed thus with himself. You know what that's saying? He wasn't praying to God. And who wants to listen to his prayer? He liked listening to his prayer. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God. You always like that guttural emphasis there. I thank thee that I'm not as other men are. Extortioners. Unjust. Adulterers. Or even as this. Publican. He was aghast that this guy was even in the same room with him. I fast 
in the week. And by the way, he's praying out loud. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the, and the publican, you know what? I have a feeling, Norm, he wasn't paying any attention. Standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven. The smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You know, there's something healthy about us swallowing our pride and understanding how God sees us and what we need. To be honest with ourselves. Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified. You know, that's what salvation is. is coming to the place that I understand that I am a sinner and I need the Savior. Listen, if you think you're going to get to heaven by standing and impressing God, you, my friend, are missing the boat that's going to go to heaven. The boat that goes to heaven has been bought by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and is filled with sinners saved by grace. And that makes it healthy in the church as we understand that we are all sinners, but we have been saved. Now we are God's children and we're going to heaven and we rejoice in grace alone for God's mercy to us. To go to heaven, to, to stand before God, there comes a time in our life where we understand that we need Him as our Savior and we invite Him into our life. This man went down justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalts himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Amen to that. The Bible says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble. And I just want to encourage you in this, just to, to capture these thoughts. and Listen to what God has to say. Again, people don't come to an altar. Because they're afraid of what people might think. You know, I was sharing, I think it was surely this week. I said, you know, people are not coming to the altar like they used to. Interesting. I hope people are getting saved. I hope people are getting things right with the Lord. But it ought not to keep us from the altar thinking what people will think. I'm going to tell you something. I probably come to the altar more than anybody in this church. Why do I do that? So people can see the preacher as he is humbled and kneels down there? No. God speaks to my heart and I, I want to kneel before him. You ever get on your knees and just kneel before the Lord? Ask him to speak. Oh. So here we get this first principle is in our approach uh, to prayer. The publican here would stand on the corner. He'd be on his way to the, the temple. And as he was going there, he would maybe see a whole bunch of people around. And he would stop. And he would all of a sudden start making prayers. There just had to pray in front of all of these people. Oh my, to be known of men. Usually those who are not spiritual try to appear such. Ponder that. Interested in self? It is the curse of selfishness. The curse of being concerned about what other people think about our lives. It causes us to be blind in our prayers. It causes us not to witness like we should. 
It causes us not to come to an altar like we should. It causes us to, to focus on ourselves and not on the hearts of others or our relationship with the Lord. He says here, he says, But thou, when thou prayest, enter thy closet and shut the door. Now, is he against praying in public? Yes or no? No. So don't get that. All right? Did Jesus pray in public? Does his disciples pray in public? Were there prayer meetings in the Bible? You see what I'm saying? So it's not saying, hey, the only way you can pray is to go in your closet. Because the Bible says, pray without ceasing. Um, he would give thanks, uh, breaking uh, the, the meal up for the feeding of the 5,000. You see other places where prayer was made and, and all. So what is he talking about going into your closet? I personally believe that, yes, there ought to be the closets of our lives. Amen to that? There ought to be that quiet place that you and I can go, that we can commune with the Lord. And to be honest with you, I like going to that quiet place and being alone to myself, not only so I can offer up my petitions to God, but that I can Listen, be still and know that I'm God. You know what I think is so often missing in our prayer is that is listening. We've asked God, we've asked God, we've asked God. We need to be still and we need to be quiet in our soul and listen to what he says. One of the things I heard in Sunday school this morning is that sometimes it's not about what God says, but it's also about what he doesn't say. Ponder that. You're asking for certain things and you ask God to show you. And if the windows are silent, ponder his silence. It's an interesting concept we learned in, in uh, Genesis 22, 23, and 24 this morning in our Sunday school class. Listen, God, what do you have to say? There are so many distractions in life that we do not hear God. We don't take that time to pray. And so the entering into the closet, I personally, I like it not only just in my quiet and private life, but I also like it that when I pray in public, I'm not looking at Donna and Vern and, 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 and Rose and, and uh, yes, my, it's amazing. It's just amazing how the mind will just go then all of a sudden lock up on you there. By the way, I found an amazing way. To get everything done on your to-do list. You want to hear the secret of it? Erase it. You think I'm kidding? I did that this week. I erased my to-do list. And Gary, all of a sudden, I went, <gasps> then all of a sudden, I said, hey, I have nothing to do. And for whatever reason, it left Larry's name on the to-do list. But I couldn't remember what I was supposed to contact Larry about, so I eliminated Larry also. I ought to be writing the next book on how to get things done. Amen to that? It'd be a bestseller. But I tell you, Blaine, I really did feel, Cheryl, I really did feel relief. Sometimes we've got so much on our to-do list that we fail to do that which is important. Now, coming into your closet corporately, you know, oftentimes we close our eyes. Even when I was on my knees this morning, I had my eyes closed, Carolyn. 
I say, why did I have my eyes closed? I don't know. Somehow it's just that you can concentrate. Now, when I pray while I'm driving, and believe me, I do pray while I'm driving, and so do other people. Uh, and, and I don't close my eyes there, and I talk to the Lord, and you can talk to the Lord with your eyes open, can't you? You can talk to the Lord on your knees. You can talk to the Lord standing, driving, whatever, pray without ceasing. But to shut out the distractions... And even in our corporate prayer, hear me now, hear me, this can help us so much, is to enter into your closet when you pray in public. You shut the door to everybody that's out there. You shut the door to what people might think of your praying. And you just talk to Daddy. Amen to that? I remember when we were building this building uh, addition on, I remember over the kitchen, and, and I think it was our drywaller fell off the scaffolds over here, broke his leg and everything, and we assembled for prayer. My dad was here, and uh, uh, we were in the kitchen area, and we just prayed for him. And after dad prayed, one of the workers was there. He said this. He says, boy, That was almost like he was talking to God. Can I say, can we get that? Can we gain ownership on that? Shut it all out. Just talk to the Lord. I remember the first time I prayed in public. I remember to this day, possibly because of some fear that was inside. I was only 15 years old and it was a youth group praying together. And all of a sudden I decided to pray. I had no idea how to pray. I didn't even know if I said amen at the end or in Jesus' name. But I'll tell you what. I believe God heard that prayer. I do believe there's a lot of times God doesn't hear my prayers. And so he goes on and he not only corrects this, this, uh, this appearance of our prayers or uh, 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 this, this chamber of our prayers and, and everything. He, he goes on and he... And he, uh, he, uh, uh, he, he talks about the abundance of prayer in verses 7 and 8. The abundance of prayer. Now, I think we ought to have confidence that God hears our prayer. But it's all right to repeat a, uh, a request over and over to the Lord. Yes or no? Sure. The Bible says, ask, seek, knock. He's talking about just continually pursuing the Lord until you find an answer. But to think that I've got to repeat a prayer over and over again, I need to be careful about that. You'll know that some people will say our father prayer over and over. In fact, in my uh, previous years, I would use a little bead to count how many our fathers I would say. And thinking that in doing such is almost... Like at school when you lied and the teacher says, I will not lie. Write that a hundred times. I will not lie. I will not lie. As if that will stop me from lying. Did it stop any of you from lying? So he's saying here, it's not the repetition or the long prayers because the Pharisees would have that concept. He says, man, I'm going to pray long. And people understand that spiritual people pray long and use these exotic words. The simplicity of prayer. We saw that. In Luke, where that publican says, be merciful to me, a sinner. We see it other places, short 
uh, prayers that are given. And, and praying long or praying short, it's not the length of the prayer. It's the relationship with our Father that He's very important. It's not the obligated prayer. Well, we've got to open up in Scriptures uh, and we've got to open up in prayer. We've got to take up an offer, offering and we're going to pray for the offering. You know, sometimes, have you ever found yourself doing these vain repetitions when you say, Father, bless the food. Thank you for it. Amen. Right? That's convicting to me. We get into the routines of what we do. We've got them fairly well memorized. Oh, to come and talk to the Lord and really have gratitude in our hearts because that's what God is listening to, not the words on our lips. So there's a misconception here of this a sinful abundance and, and these vain repetitions. May I, may I just ask one thing, too, that God convicts me of? And I don't know how He convicts you of these things, but I, I've been convicted about how I pray in the opening of the services, or how I pray at the offering time, or how I pray at the meals, or how I pray in public. I mean, this message is speaking to me. And I come to, to understand here now uh, about praying and asking God to forgive me of my sins. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many of you catch yourself after you've done something wrong, which I'm assuming that most of us do something wrong every day, that we pray, Lord, forgive me. But we don't do it just once. Y'all see what I'm saying? We, well, maybe, maybe he didn't hear it. Or maybe I wasn't sincere or, or whatever. You know what God convicted me of? That oftentimes I'm questioning his faithfulness. God says he is faithful to forgive. Praise God for that. But the old devil tries to worm in there and says, Oh, maybe he hasn't. And maybe you just need to keep wallowing in your self-pity and keep bringing it up and keep bringing it up. I have a God, when I called out to Him, oh God, save me. He saved me. And I was born again. I had to come to the place where I believed God's Word that He says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And when I got uh, uh, a peace in my soul that I called unto the Lord and He saved me, I've not had to continue calling on the Lord over and over again. I believe what He says in His Word. And so it is with our confession. It's not saying our fathers over and over again. It's not asking and asking and asking. God says he is faithful and just to forgive us. Amen. So not the abundance. Don't be concerned about the time of your prayer, but the treasure of the relationship. And you know what God says? He'll reward you openly. I love this verse, Ephesians 3.20. I hope you'll memorize it or put it down. Now unto Him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. May God help us in these things. Did we get the message this morning? So let's review real quickly. We've got one minute. 
By the way, there's a book called The One Minute Manager. How many have read it? Okay, it's a great book. Sometimes when we deal with our kids, it would have been a good book to have read. Because <laughs> we can berate our children and berate them and, or, or whatever it might be. One minute. You, you give one minute of praise, one minute of, of correction, and one minute of, uh, of one minute of praise, one minute of what you can do better, what you're doing well, what you're doing wrong, and what, you, what we can do about it. Is that close enough, Frank? Close enough. Can that's what, again, this, this getting, being seniors is great. You can forget so much. I can watch movies over and over again. And I, I, every night, well, if we sit down to watch the television, I say, honey, have we seen that before? Now, don't forget what you've heard this morning, though, okay? The freedom that God can give you by living in His presence. Amen to that? Not doing things. And you know what? You have an indicator. Use that indicator that shows you what's going on inside. You're thinking more about yourself than others or God when you're getting all uptight about what's going on in your life. You don't have that freedom. The Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. To understand living in His presence. Praying before Him. Oh, congregation, will you take this home? Will you take this home? Go out there and live what God wants you to do. Don't think it's about the expectations of your church or the person sitting next to you. You follow God. Father, I pray, help us now as as we gain ownership of this. Lord, you've spent most of this chapter... Most of this chapter trying to deal with this concept. And therefore, man's pride oftentimes can enter into his worship. And we can pray sinfully. Oh, Lord, help us to shut out that which is going around us. And to bring our attention fully into the throne room of grace. And there, catching you in the various aspects of your Attributes of holiness, majesty, and power, and grace, and forgiveness, and love. That, Father, we could come before you. Help us to get rid of ourselves. And serve you and not be hindered by putting us in the equation. Of whether the abundance of prayer or how well we do. For, Lord, you have chosen the foolish and the weak things to confound the mighty. And you've given to us all the great privilege of coming to your throne room. Because the middle wall of separation between the holy and the holy of holies has been torn in two on Calvary. And we get to come to you, Creator. Now speak to our hearts. And help us to do something about it. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. This is it, my friends. Listen to me. If you don't take what you've heard today and try to implement it in your life, maybe by using the indicators of your worry or anxiety as understanding that you are not where you ought to be in what you're trying to accomplish. Maybe you're trying and not trusting. I don't know. But if God speak into your heart, then this morning's the day to take care of it.
Why don't you just make that command? Father, I want to come before you in your presence in my prayer. I want to start at home. And then when I'm with somebody, and you know what? Even if someone brings up, like we did this morning, we heard that Mrs. Purrington lost her uh, sister-in-law and her brother-in-law this week. That we can just come alongside another person and pray with them. And feel so comfortable that we want to, we have an urgency to pray with our brothers and sisters. To get into that habit of praying. To cast off our inhibitions that are basically our insecurity that is built around our pride. That hinders us from witnessing to others. Of having folks over in our homes or going out with them and having hospitality or praying together. Or whatever it might be. May God help us to be spirit-led. And then, my friend, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, and you've never come to Him and recognizing yourself as a beggar in need of a Savior, a sinner, that if you died without Jesus Christ, you have no hope of eternity in heaven. God has a place called hell. And this morning I was thinking about that. How would it be if you were on your deathbed looking at your last breaths and you don't have the assurance of where you're going to go? Don't wait to that day. Why not right now put your faith in Jesus Christ? He died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again so that you could go to heaven. Put your faith there and trust what he says in his word. That's what faith is. Faith is believing your belief. So, Lord, you answer, you work, in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing, is your all on the altar? What page number is that, honey? Oh, it's page 369. The words will be up on the screen, so you don't need your song, but let's stand together. 369, as as God spoke to your heart, I would encourage you to come. I, I, I laid some emphasis on the altar this morning because, yes. If I need to get saved, why would I care about what people think? I want to go to heaven. Don't let anything hinder you. If I need to get some things right, let's get them right. There's not a person in this room that shouldn't have things to get right with the Lord, including this preacher. Come to this altar. There's your seats. Let's do business with God. Or after the end of the service, let's sing it together. You have long for sweet peace and for faith to increase and